1: and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance is no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason and I hope something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward in these wild and challenging awakening times. Many of us are becoming more aware than ever that we are powerful creators that we can manifest uh, even in more than one dimension at once. But how is this intention created and guided? Why do we often manifest from our lower self and then end up in a mess? Well, author, mystic, and teacher Maureen St. Germain is here, and she's going to share some guidance to help us shape our own path of conscious creation and to become more deeply connected with our higher self. Are you ready to meet her? Maureen St. Germain is the best selling author of several books, including Beyond the Flower of Life and Be a Genie. Her writing is featured in the new compilation Realities of Creation, and her new book, Waking Up in 5D, will be released this winter. Maureen's been teaching meditation, higher self connection, and sacred geometry to audiences worldwide for more than 20 years. She's also written and recorded more than 15 meditation CDs known as the practical mystic, Maureen accesses the Akashic records and is a direct channel to source. You can find out more about Maureen and her work at maureenstgermain.com. Maureen, welcome to Out of the Fog. It's really good to be here. I'm so happy to be back. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome here. I'm maybe let's start out just by if you can just say a little bit about what brought you to this place on your spiritual journey, not a lot of us stand in that light and go, I am a direct channel to source. What brought you to this place?
2: Well, you know, that's a really good thing because I am so concerned about aggrandizement that even I would not have said that. But my husband, my future husband at the time, was trying to describe how attracted he was to me. And he said, I'm attracted to you because you're a direct channel to source. And then he kind of took a half a step backward and said, um, that's not normally what I would say. <laughs> and I laughed at him and said, you must have channeled that. It was just such a sweet, sincere, he went right to his heart, and his heart spoke through him. Mm. And that's, I mean, I had known that that was true, but like you, I wouldn't have necessarily laid claim to it. And um, because it came through someone who you know, had connected with me at a very deep level, I knew it was accurate, and I knew it was true. And I accepted that and took it as one of my uh, labels. And I'm very honored to be able to say that. Um, This is also why many of the people who work with me will say, um, you know, even if Maureen's just joking around with you or playing or you're having a social conversation, we we listen to everything she says because she often tells us stuff we didn't know. And... um, my path was pretty regular. I think I must have come in, you know, as a very enlightened being. I grew up on a farm, and I, um, my mother was very clairvoyant. My parents were very loving, so I didn't run into a lot of things that a lot of people have, and I was extraordinarily sensitive. I could feel um, my emotional body. I could feel um, the equivalent of, of, like, five acres around our farm in all directions, so you know, like maybe five miles or something in all directions. And there were times when I actually asked that that be um, shielded so that it wouldn't be noticeable to other people because it was so noticeable to me. Um, and so I've always been interested in esoteric things. When I was a little girl growing up Catholic, of course, it was all about mass and the saints and all of that, mysteries. And then... As I became an adult and raised my own family, I realized that I believed so much more than what I was getting in the Catholic Church, and so I expanded that and, you know, grew into the unity movement and then into esoteric study pretty quickly. I began, you know, going to a Casey study group and the Theosophical Society and all of those organizations that, you know, give us inner knowledge that back then, you know, 30 years ago. And then what happened to me specifically was I was attracted to a body of knowledge known as the Merkaba. And the Merkaba is a tool that you can turn on around your body, an energetic field, and that gives you access to more than what you are without it. Now, um, in that process, I developed an extraordinary connection to Source. And I still do that work today. And in that process, we were told at a certain point that you're not allowed to turn it on or activate it until you had permission from your higher self. But nobody was telling us what the higher self was. Nobody was telling us how to get permission or how to know if it was our higher self giving us permission in the first place. Right. So that's where I started. So 20 years ago when I started teaching this work, this meditation, I began to seek a tangible 3D linear progression that would show people who were very analytical, this is how you do it. Because I felt that it wasn't enough just to say, well, you know, sit quietly, look for this, or any of that. And so this is why this tool is so remarkable, because you follow the steps, and six weeks later, you have a higher self-connection that you can count on. And even people who aren't into this stuff get it. You know, my webmaster at one point said, you know, I think I need to go to these workshops. So he shows up and um, he loves me and he loves working with me, but he's not into this stuff. You know, he's a beer drinking football guy. And in the class, you know, when I take people through the first exercise of the higher self-connection, And that's all in in one of, it's actually in a couple of the books I've written, but it's in the book, The Realities of Creation, that compilation. Um, He got got information right away on um, his higher self symbols or signals. And um, then the next day, when we did more work, his higher self presented itself as a female. Now, I'm sitting here thinking for a week after that class, you know, some people feel a higher self as an energy. Some people see it as a bright light. Some people see it as an angel. <clears throat> you might not get anything other than, you know, a, a, a bad feeling in your stomach for no and, a, and a, a, you know, an itchy ear for yes. You know, what I mean, it, it, it really varies with person to person. So now I'm bugged. Well, how does he even know it's a woman? And how come it happens to him and not everybody else? You know what I mean? Like, how does that happen? And, and I say not everybody else, but that's not true. Everybody gets something. But he got his stuff right away. And so I called him up and I said, Larry, how is it that you know your higher self is a woman? And he said, well, I can see her breasts. (laughs) And I did the same thing you did. I just burst out laughing and I thought, you know, he is a breast man. He probably would pay attention if a (laughs) woman showed up with naked boobs and had something to tell him. So that was his higher self showing up that way so he would notice, so he would yeah. listen. And he does, by the way. And it's hilarious because now he calls her his angel. But in truth, it's his higher self. And then the other experience that I want to share with, with your audience, again, to point to the humor of it, you know, before we get into the practical application, and that is um, one guy who was a bodybuilder, really good, you know, really good body and a handsome man, you know, in his mid-30s, just a, you know, a guy who'd really worked hard to be, you know, really buff. And um, his higher self came in. He also saw it. Not everyone does, by the way, including me. I mean, I experience my higher self for sure, but I don't necessarily see a figure or anything like that with my third eye. So he says, um, his higher self showed up and um, he was fat and bald. <gasps> And he saw this being and he said, who are you? And his higher self said, I'm your higher self. What would you expect? <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's be- so we don't take ourselves quite so seriously. Because, you know, if we're willing to laugh about how our higher self presents, it helps us listen to it because we're not afraid of it. We haven't put it into some you know, pedestal better than me routine because your higher self is not better than you. Your higher self is you. Your higher self is a version of you that's plugged into God. If you believed in heaven, it would be the version of you that's in heaven. You know, what would you look like if you were in heaven? You know, you'd have a good, you'd be in good shape. You have a connection with God. You'd be able to talk to God all the time, but you'd also know everything about what's going on in the in the world. And that's your higher self.
1: Is it, I'm remembering now the little girl who felt the five acres of farm all around her, with that sensitivity, with being tapped into your higher self, how how does it not become too much then? Oh, it was. There
2: were times it was horrible. You know, I I, I was just telling somebody at the beauty shop the other day, I, I don't like to go to the beauty salon, it's very stressful for me, but you know, I, I also like to look pretty, so I, I show up periodically and um, I was explaining to this lovely lady that was working on my hair. Um, you know, when I was a little girl, my mom used to get make me get permanent because I had such straight hair, she couldn't do anything with it. And so that was her way to do do something with it so she wouldn't have to try and curl it or something. And I said, I remember coming back from the beauty salon, and, there, you know, the chemical smell, go back, you know, 20, 30 years, yep. and the chemical smells and... That overwhelming energy in a tiny little shop, and I just sobbed. And you know, my folks thought I was a little sensitive because I was so um, affected by the chemicals. It was physically painful, mm. and um, you know, it's um, it is funny to be that sensitive. And I, I laugh about it now. You know, I'm very good, very close with my oldest brother, but he used to do stuff that would upset me, and I would start to cry. And one time. Um, my mother said to him stop it whatever you're doing and my brother said but mom all i did was look at her and she, she said she said well then don't look at her and it was so funny because i was just so sen- i could read their thoughts you know and i didn't know i was reading their thoughts i mean that's the thing when when you're when you're young you don't know why it is you know what you know and you also don't know that everybody else isn't having the same experience So, you know, those of you who are out there are having experiences and you don't know what's going on, it's probably true that others are having similar experiences, but it's also true that a lot of people around you might not understand and that there's nothing wrong with you because you have awareness and they don't. It just means that you're ready to, you know, move into that awareness. And so you've taken it on.
1: I want to ask about something that is in the piece you contributed to the realities of creation. You wrote, when you were born, you deliberately placed a barrier between you and your physical body and who you really are in order to move your consciousness into physical matter. Once there, it is very likely that you will forget who you really are. Now, when I read that, it stopped me because the idea that we would place on purpose a barrier between this connection to God And our physical selves seems then, so why is that barrier there? Is it to kind of prevent that kind of overwhelm that you're sharing here? Why do we do that?
2: Um, We do it for a bunch of reasons. Number one, um, I'm going to play and say to you, look at whatever your belief system is about God and assume that whatever your belief system is about God, it's all-knowing, all-loving, all-everything, omnipotent, etc., so if that's your experience of being with God, why would you leave? And the answer is because there was a desire to expand consciousness, to create a bigger version of God, to have experiences. So all of us separate from that which is un- inseparable in order to have more experiences. Because then the more when we pretend that we're not God, we actually know and experience things that we would not have experienced while we know we're God. Mm. So that's the number one thing. And then the second thing, part of that grand process, was to create beings that would be imbued with the soul of um, very high-quality soul, kind of like using gold for your jewelry, and then also covering it with the human body and the human experience, you know, the dense consciousness kind of thing, and seeing what would happen. And, you know, how long would it take and what would people do? And one of the things I explain to people is the difference between third dimension and fifth dimension. And fourth dimension is, you know, we're there part-time too. Is this idea that in third dimension, it's okay to choose the not-God choice. And I deliberately use that awkward language because I want people to understand that at 5D, the only choice is a God choice. And it gives you so much pleasure to choose the God choice. And I'll give an example. When you are um, being given the opportunity to host someone that you really are impressed with, let's say the Dalai Lama, and, you know, I call you up, I've looked in my database, and I say, you know, I'm friends with the Dalai Lama's handler, and he's asked me to find someone in my network that he could stay with. He wants a low-key experience, but he wants to be with someone. And could he stay at your house? Mm-hmm. The answer is only yes, because even if you were planning on being on vacation, you just changed your plans. Yes. Because you're not going to miss that opportunity. And that's the the idea of the only choice here is yes. And that's what happens. So everything that is does not contain this element of God energy, of, of pleasing to the God energy, doesn't even occur to you. I mean you wouldn't think of saying no. You just wouldn't you know if you need if no matter what you needed to do you'd make sure it was handled so that you could get this opportunity and that's what it's like when you're that connected to God so the sever going back to the original question is to create experiences that would otherwise not be possible and then to solve them and then to open up that channel in that place of feeling like you weren't God and discovering, oh, we are God. Isn't that interesting? And then you have all of these experiences to add to it. Now, I will add a caveat because there's always somebody who's going to ask this, and that is God herself or God Himself, whatever you want to say, had no desire or intention of man's inhumanity to man. So even though there are experiences on this earth that have fallen beneath the standard that you and i would ever tolerate in terms of man's inhumanity to man that was never part of the plan and it was a devolution that was that occurred because of the there were some beings who were supposed to be watching over the earth had an idea that they could make things happen their way and it kind of blew up in their faces and <clears throat> so then they decided to run with it the way it was. You know, kind of like building a bad foundation in a house and then deciding I'm going to live it in any way hmm. and always constantly dealing with stuff. There's way more to that that I'm not going to talk about, but I want to give people a very clear understanding that even God did not intend for us to be as hurtful to one another as we have become in those worst-case scenarios. And once you understand that, and then you understand, you know, just like you can breed dogs to be fighting dogs or, or, um, you know, good companions or shepherds, the same is true. Humans were encouraged to fight and then to fight each other and so on, and and because of that, we have taken longer to get back home to God than maybe it should take. But on the other side of it, because of that. We've got extra help from on high. We don't have to do it all ourselves. And that's why when you get your higher self-connection and you learn how to you know, like live as a 5D being, you have that energy around you all the time. And you can claim things that maybe in another evolution or another consciousness, another realm, would not have occurred. Because now we've got extra help to cover for that other problem that occurred earlier in, in the cycle of Earth.
1: Because we live in such changeable, wobbly, uh, disorienting times, how do we know, and I know from my work that there are a lot of people who are feeling that need to reach out and don't know what to do or don't know how to do it, how do we know that we're ready to begin to connect with the higher self? How do we know that we're ready to step away from that place where we were severed and into that connection?
2: Well, the minute you discover that it's possible is when you're ready. You know, it's like, oh man, I can get a driver's license and take a car. All right, I'm on it. You know, <laughs> um, so I think that the readiness is simply the the mind being willing to accept the possibility, and not the probability, just the possibility. And then what happens is the experience that I teach is I take people through a process where they accept their ego. They accept that the ego has been running the show for a long time. And I also, unlike teachers from the East, teach people that the ego is your friend. You know, your ego got you to listen to this radio show. Your ego got you to read that book. Your ego got you to show up at that workshop, whatever it is. So don't consider your ego, the you know, that needs to be subdued or or pushed down because your ego got you where you are today. So, you know, lighten up. And besides, you know, it's a can of worms, especially in the West. We're not going to get rid of that ego. So instead, I look at the ego and say, okay, your ego is your ally, but your ego is misinformed. How does your ego make decisions? How does your ego help you decide? And it's always that about the past. It's always a decision based upon past experiences or past stories that someone has told you. It's never about what is known in the moment it's always based on history so once we know that then we then then the joke becomes and again this came through as a mystic it wasn't stuff that i came up with in my head it literally came through as channeled information that i'm you know sharing with you now and that is once the ego understands that job is to keep you safe. And once you understand at the mental level that your ego's job is to keep you safe, and how does it do it? It does it by analyzing the um, information from the past and and the current possibility of current experience and coming up with a plan for what to do. So once you understand that, then following this protocol where you allow yourself to play. And just like you take a bucket of balls to the driving range and you put those balls on a little stick and you aim for a spot in the driving range. And you do that whole bucket. You don't keep score. You don't count balls. You just look for the balls to go where you want them to. And so you're actually doing a practice like this for six weeks. And you ask about stuff you don't care about. You ask about the food you're going to eat or the clothes you're going to wear or the route you're going to take to work Anything that you're willing to let your higher self choose for you. And you and there's seven simple rules that you must follow. And you do this for six weeks. Now, the seven rules are kind of funny and they're comical, but they are remarkable. And again, I taught for 20 years a very, very powerful meditation that I still do. And in the process of teaching that meditation... I was able to teach over 10,000 students this set of tools that allows them to get accuracy. And so the seven rules are, first of all, you pick a time frame. the time frame is always six weeks or more. So from today, the 14th, it's easy to figure out because we're going to go to the end of the month and then we're going to go on for one more month. And then the first of that following month is about 45 days and your minimum is 45 days, and that's because it takes 45 days to um, create new DNA. So for 45 days, from now until the first of the next month, not the coming month, but the month after, you will do the following. You will ask only yes, no questions about stuff you don't care about. You'll only ask about insignificant stuff you're willing to cooperate with. So if you're looking at popcorn or bonbons or whatever that you want to have a bite of, don't be asking your higher self. Just have some and enjoy it and don't get into it. Don't ask your higher self, should I quit smoking? During your practice period because that's too important. Always follow through. So if you ask, you absolutely have to follow through. You know, one time I was with a group of people who were students and we were checking out at lunch and you know how they put cookies on the counter, and everybody knows how much I love chocolate chip cookies. I don't eat them very much anymore, but back then I I wouldn't think twice about eating a cookie. And um, I was in such a habit of asking my higher self about everything, I saw the cookies and I mentally said, higher self, should I be, you know, is my higher self good to have a cookie? And my higher self said no. And I thought, what was I thinking? Why did I ask
3: that question?
2: (laughs) And so then, you know, as a couple other people check out, they say, hey, Maureen, did you see those cookies? And I said, yes, I did. Would you like one? No, thank you. You know, it's just too funny. Um, next, you always, always <clears throat> put, off, put off important questions. So if you absolutely have to tell your boss when you're going to take vacation schedule and you want to check in with yourself, go right ahead. But if you can put off this decision, you know, whether it's, you know, to uh, go on vacation or take a move or whatever... You can put it off, then you should
1: until that end of that practice period. And now speaking of putting things off, we're right. The hour has, the bottom of the hour has caught us. And I'm going to stop you right there. Maureen St. Germain is sharing the seven practices, seven rules for increasing that connection with your higher self. Her newest writing is in the compilation, The Realities of Creation. You can find out more at maureenstgermain.com. And we'll be right back with lots more with Maureen After this,
0: Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode Trouble on Rock Hill. Ain't nothing like running up and down Rock Hill. Hey! Let's move this rock! Whoa! (laughs) Sassy! Johnny's stuck under that rock! (laughs) Yeah, girl! Go tell Mr. Gunderson to bring his truck! You'll tell him, but only after you dispel a stereotype associated with shelter pets? People think shelter pets come with lots of initial veterinary costs? It's dusty under here. But in reality, most shelter pets have been vaccinated, neutered, and microchipped in case they get lost? My pants ripped. Sassy! Johnny needs help! What Johnny really needs is more discipline and better parental supervision? You use big words, Sassy. Still under the rock. Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. The odds
3: of having a boy. One in two. Who grows
1: up loving baseball.
0: One in six.
1: And then makes the varsity team.
0: One in twenty.
1: Which earns him a college scholarship.
0: 1 in 2,500.
1: That gets him a contract in the minors.
0: 1 in 3,700.
1: Which leads to starting shortstop in the majors.
0: 1 in 290,000.
1: The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism?
0: 1 in 150. You know the odds. Now learn the signs. Go to AutismSpeaks.org. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
3: Hi, I'm Adina Menzo. My music has helped me become a Tony Award winning singer and songwriter. This is Mamuda Akter. Her training has helped Mamuda become the local health worker for her village in Bangladesh. Every day, she helps the children in her community survive some of the leading causes of child mortality worldwide. The only reward that Mamuda gets for her work is the sound of healthy children, it's music to her ears. When you help local health workers like Mamuda, you help so many children survive all over the world. See where the good goes at goodgoes.org. Find out all the ways you can help get the good where it needs to go. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council.
0: And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com
1: Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and we're talking with Maureen St. Germain. Her writing is featured in the new compilation, Realities of Creation, and her new book, Waking Up in 5D, will be out next year. You can find out more about Maureen and her work at maureenstgermain.com. And, of course, I welcome your feedback, your questions, your impressions of what you're hearing today. What kind of level of sensitivity would you say you have? Are you actively reaching out to connect with your higher self? And how has that connection changed your life? You can always find me on my website, KarenHager.com. And of course, oh, I love your emails. My email address is Karen at KarenHager.com. Maureen, as we went into the break, I heartlessly cut you off in mid flow. (laughs) And you were talking about how important it is as as we're, as we're setting up this practice, this 45 days of this jerk kind of journey to connecting with our higher self, building that habit, flexing those muscles, you were talking about how important it is, among other things, to put off the important things as you are in this beginning time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And before I go back into that, I want to comment on what you said to your listeners at the opening about their own higher self connection and say to you as a listener, No matter where you are at, in your intuition development or your connection, you can always improve it. And just like all of the great athletes, all the great musicians, all the great anything, continue to take lessons and learn from teachers, do not look upon this work in a way that says, oh, well, I already have my higher self-connection. I don't need that. I will say to you, I will give you the challenge, do the six weeks practice and see if you don't move to 100% accuracy because that's what I was told was possible. So <clears throat> we stopped at, you know, um, always, let's see, always ask um, uh, questions that are, um, to not ask anything that you can put off. You know, mm-hmm. So if you need to ask an important question, you would wait unless you absolutely have to know because you have a deadline or some other re- reason, then go ahead and ask. Otherwise, you're asking only unimportant stuff. Now, once in a while, I get somebody who's asking me, well, you know, it's not working. I had an engineer friend of mine um, say, well, you know, it's it's just not working. And I said, well, tell me some questions you're asking. And he said, for example, on my drive home from work, I'm asking if the traffic light will change before I get to it. And I started to laugh. And I said, well, that's because you care about the answer. And he said, no. Actually, I don't care when I get home, whether it's five minutes sooner or not. And I said, yes, but you're keeping score. And he said, well, how else will I know if I'm right? Well, that's such an engineer statement, right? (laughs) So I said to him, Peter, you're not allowed to keep score. That means you can't be asking about something that's predictive. You can't be asking about something that you will know the answer to later. And um, that's actually the next thing. Do not ask predictive questions. And the reason for that is because then you will be tempted to keep score. And the idea is not to see if your higher self is making any progress. Because people think that progress is in a straight line. But, you know, I raised four sons. And I can remember having the shock of my life when I had a conversation with my mother about one of the boys, you know, showing some great maturity. And she said, well, honey, now, you know, just remember the kids won't grow up in a straight line. And I went... What does that mean? You know, I was, like, horrified. (laughs) And she said, well, you know, just remember that when they do something really mature, that the next thing they do is probably going to be pretty stupid. (laughs) And I I remember thinking, oh, man, that's not what I wanted to hear. But she was right. And so if you're keeping score on your higher self, you're going to do something stupid in the middle of your practice, either as sabotage or as an innocent old habit, who knows why, And if you're keeping score, it's going to make you disappointed or disillusioned. But when you don't keep score and stuff begins to happen that establishes clearly, clearly that your higher self knows what it's doing. Like you ask your higher self, what route should I take to get home today? And you get told to take a route you rarely take and you take it. And then you hear on the news later that there was a big pileup, a traffic pileup that you avoided completely by taking this different route. Um, So then the last, Two are do not ask predictive questions at all. And, and I've already stated that, but I want to be clear about that. You don't ask, is it going to rain today? So you can make a decision to carry an umbrella or not. Instead, ask what I call the last question. So <clears throat> you ask, do I need to carry an umbrella? One time I was actually told yes. It did not rain on me at all that day, but I did trip and fall, and because I was told Which of my two umbrellas to take? Which was the cane version? When I started a trip, I caught myself on the cane and I didn't fall. And that's the only time that umbrella was used that day. So, um, and the final one is you don't use any other form of divination. And this is kind of hard for people because if they're used to using a pendulum or they're used to muscle testing or using some other form of kinesiology, they're you know they're going to want to use that to verify. But that's why you're not using any. You're not asking anything important, so you don't need to verify because it's play. And of course, I love to tell the story about the woman who came to class one day after learning this, and uh, one of the gals in the workshop looked her over, you know, sometimes we women do that to each other, you know, kind of give us the head-to-toe look, and she noticed this woman was looking her over, and she looked over at her, and she said, don't even ask. My higher self dressed me today. (laughs) And you could tell she wasn't happy about it either, but she was willing to play, and it was fun and it was funny. And she deliberately, you know, emphasized the words and played it out in a certain way so everyone would laugh. And, you know, that's the thing. Um, and I will tell you that I am happily married. I've been with my husband for six years. And when I met him, um, I every step of the way, I was told what to do. And it was so interesting because I was not interested in being in a relationship, particularly with somebody who was on the other coast. I was on the East Coast. He's on the West Coast. And um, I remember when he first asked me, you know, well, I'd like to see you again, I, I said, well, you're going to have to come to New York. And I'm thinking, like, come to New York. I'm not thinking, like, you know, travel for a visit. And so, he, so you know, so innocent, he says, well, when should I come? And I said, I have no idea. Go look at my website, and if I'm not teaching somewhere, I'm home in New York. And honest to God, the next time he called me, he said, okay, I bought two tickets, one for the only weekend you're not teaching in September and one for the only week, and you're not teaching in October. Oh, and then when, um, then later when he asked me to do something special with him for Christmas, and it was a lovely invitation, perfect for my schedule, I said, to him, "I don't know you well enough to do this." And my higher self says to me, um, "Aren't you going to check in?" And I said, "But you know, I always check in, so I'll get back to you because I didn't want to ask while I'm on the phone if there would be too much pressure." And when I um, Ask my higher self, and my higher self said, yes, I remember thinking, you know, at the personality level, well, I guess this relationship's going to last more than three months, Mm. because that's how far in advance he was asking.
1: (laughs) When you connect with your higher self, I know one of the, and it's very cool, so guys, check out that book, Realities of Creation. Um, You kind of, there are ways in which you're suggesting that we look for symbols or signs, from our higher self so that we can kind of get an idea of what's a yes and what's a no and what's neutral. When you ask your higher self and you're getting answers, what are the symbols and signs that you have if you're, if you're okay sharing them? I wonder how it feels to be you and receive those. (laughs) Well, that's
2: very, you know, nobody has ever asked me that question. And it's going to be very funny when you hear, I never got anything at all yet I knew it was possible because I was being told it was possible. So even though I couldn't figure out what my symbol should be. Remember, I'm ask, I've asked for a linear, logical right. formula that I can give people that they can follow that will produce the results. Okay, so even though I'm highly intuitive, I'm not getting my own symbols or signals. And it's probably because I'm so mental. You know, I, I'm that mental person that couldn't get anything. And so I had to teach myself a symbol of in, within my body, and then I shared that with my higher self, and I said, This is yes. And what I did was I um, made vibrational awareness. you know like how you can do a vibrational meditation where you pay attention to your right hand. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I made that energy, then move to my arm, to my shoulder, to my torso, to my leg, to my toes, and then build that up back and forth, back and forth to the point where I could feel my whole right side more strongly than the rest of my body. And then I would say, okay, higher self, this is yes. And then I do the reverse for the um, no. And then, you know, a column of energy in the middle of me. And so my higher self symbols and signals are actual feelings of energy moving from behind me to my right for yes and to my left for no. But in another book that I wrote, I actually arrived a whole bunch of experiences from other students in my classes and what their symbols and signals were and it was it's so sweet because they um, they can be something as simple as a door open or a door closed one lady got her thumbs up for yes and a thumbs down for no um, that man the the web guy he got a green M&M for yes, or no, a red beating heart for yes, and a green M&M for no, which is hilarious because it challenges your, you know, red light, green light thing. Um, One person got a tight feeling in their throat for um, no, and an open feeling in their throat for yes. Wow. Um, Some people saw stuff like colors or shapes, you know, a green triangle for yes, or a round circle for no. Um, One person could hear the word yes. They actually said in class, you know, when they shared their experiences, oh, well, I didn't get anything. All I heard was a voice saying yes. (laughs) And you want to laugh at them and say, well, that's a symbol or signal because it's pretty direct, you know. Yeah. Um, Some people could feel their head moving forward or their head moving back. And the thing is, this is not like you're using your hand or your body to make a movement, you are receiving the movement that shows up. And the way you do this is you actually go into meditation with a clear intention you're going to connect with your higher self. And I actually have a guided meditation on on my website for that purpose. And the meditation is like this. You know, you allow yourself to get into your heart. You allow yourself to feel unconditional love. And I usually ask people to think of a pet or an infant that they absolutely adore and let their heart expand for a moment, and then send a channel of love and light up your pranic tube through the throat chakra, crown—you know, third eye, crown chakra, to your fifth uh, dimensional self at the a chakra, and then invite your higher self to join you where you are now, anchored in your heart. And then, you know, there's, so there's that door is open and there's movement between you and your higher self, and then you say to your higher self, I really want to understand and learn the language of the higher self. So I'm asking you to give me a symbol and signal for yes. What should yes, no? What should yes look like? And then you wait. Now, one lady in a class reported that she got an itchy ear. And while her ear is itching, she's thinking, you know, I need to get my symbol. You know, stop that. So her (laughs) ear stops itching. And then her toe starts to itch. Now, I need to get my symbol. Come on. Stop that. So then her whole body started to itch. And so then she said, okay, okay, I get it. I'll take the itchy ear. Thank you. (laughs) So you wait and then you do the same thing with no. You ask, Higher self, give me a symbol or signal for no. And I tell people, do this meditation three times where you take yourself into this quiet place and you ask your Higher self to show you what does yes look like, feel like, sound like, smell like. Sometimes, you know, I get, some of my people got, have gotten like a metal taste in their mouth for yes and then, a, you know, an a uncomfortable taste in their mouth for no. I've had a certain sense come in for yes. So even though I initially didn't get anything, and now you know it's, it's a little more kinesthetic. And, and the reason for that is because people who are very um, cerebral are not as likely to be able to visualize and receive a visual from their you know, their windows that they've opened up to their higher self. When they open up their heart and then they send that channel up and talk to the higher self, like you went to visit your neighbor. Come on down. You know, the place is nice and warm here. I'm made up. Made a cup of coffee for us. And so, then that's when you go to using the method of teaching your higher self. This is yes, this is no, and this is neutral. And I've had people that did this successfully, and then it changed. You know, it would, it would evolve into something very tangible that they could track and follow. And and you know, I've had men are more likely to do this where. They'll get a color, or they'll get a symbol, and then you ask them, "Did you get anything?" And they'll say no. And then that, then everybody else in the room reports what they got, and they'll say at the end, "Well, you know, I did get a triangle. Does that count?" <laughs> so so part of the part of the discovery here for everyone who's listening is you might get something you're not expecting. You know, you might get a if if you're very connected to geometry, maybe you're, you know an, a version of you is working actively in geometry or a version of you is geometry, you're going to get a symbol that's geometric. If you're um, an angelic being, you might get it as a voice, you know. And so everyone has their own unique symbol or signal. But what's interesting to me is the neutral symbol or signal very often comes across as some form of a horizon line. So Mm. people see it as a flat line or the top of a fence. So they see it as a horizon and that's very interesting, and the whole idea of neutral is, is very, very amazing. And I'm not going to get into it because I know we don't have time. But um, it's a very powerful another layer of information that came through because
1: of the work I was doing with people, teaching them
2: about their higher self and understanding the signals.
1: Wow, fascinating. Now my yes is a ding, and my no is a blat, and my <laughs> and my neutral is a. Eh and it must I was taking it's training from your cell phone. I have <laughs> been I think I've been doing this since before I had a cell phone. Yeah, but but it but it what it <laughs> was interesting what I was what I was what was coming to me as I was listening to you was just when I look at that visually represented like I was watching sound waves, of course those are very different and that neutral one that eh, that's kind of a that's like a flat line, which is like a horizon. Uh-huh. I don't think I've ever thought of that. That way yeah. before until you just said it yeah when we take that higher self connection and I want to just take us into that kind of creation that kind of conscious creation when we create from the lower self as as you say so beautifully the lower self is reactive and the higher self is proactive and when we are creating when we're manifesting from that place of connection to the higher self what's different what can we do how do things change well initially, you might not notice
2: that you're doing it. But in hindsight, you can realize. Like you get you get a, you know, after your six weeks of practice, what happens is now you've locked open that door between you and the higher self. And so the higher self has the freedom to come in and tell you stuff that you need to know, stuff you need to do. You know, when I was working in, in um, marketing and public relations. I, I would be told, call this person now. And I can I can still remember hearing this man say, how did you know to call me now? I'm never in the office at this time. And I, all I could do was laugh. <laughs> it still makes me laugh. Because my higher self said, call this guy now. And I did. And and that's the thing. You know, um, one of the things that, that I have been asked about is you get to trust your higher self. And that's not true. You don't get to trust your higher self. You get to know. And what's the difference between knowing something and trusting? It's huge. For example, we're going to meet for lunch. I trust you're going to show up. However, I know the sun is going to rise tomorrow. So the difference is very profound. So we we in the practice period, we start to trust. And once we complete that cycle, what happens is we don't have to trust our higher self anymore because we know. And of course, going back to this storyline around myself and my husband, you know, after we were married and there was something that came up that he wanted me to do, and I, I said, well, I'm going to check in with my higher self, and I did, and I got no, and he's still enthused that we should do this, blah, 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 and I, I just said, you of all people, I wouldn't even be with you if it weren't for my higher self. Do you really think I'm going to go against it now? <laughs> and, of course, that's the benefit. You can actually choose to live your life under the advice of your higher self. Now, it does not mean that your higher self is better than you or is more evolved than you or is, you know, um, because it's not true. Your higher self is you. It is you. And it's more like you're the CEO and you've called the finance guy and said, look, I want to write a check for 20K. I'm meeting the banker tomorrow and I want to impress them that we're going to pay back the loan early. Can we do that? And the treasurer says, of course we can. I've been planning on this all along. I'll I'll have the check cut and you can sign it, you know, and and take it with you to lunch tomorrow. The the finance guy or the treasurer did not give you permission to write that check. You have the authority to write the check. Mm. Finance guy gave you information. And that's the benefit of your higher self because your higher self knows everything that's going on around you, even the stuff you don't know about. And so even though I personally was not interested in being with someone who is a West Coast guy, my higher self said, build a bridge.
1: (laughs) And that, I mean, that's a beautiful, to me, that's about, that's about abundance. That there is the unexpected, that you never run out of choices, that there's, that things can surprise you. That to me is part of what it means to be in abundance. There's that play, that lightness, that joy, and you never get to the end of it. Right? Yeah. You never, ever run out of, never run out of things to learn or right. experience or that's do.
2: Right. Mm. That's exactly right. Well, very well said. I love it. And I love the fact that you just never run out. And it's true. Even though half of the possibilities, are not God choices, they're no longer appealing to you, it doesn't mean you're not going to have lots to choose from. You still do, you know? And that's the amazing thing. You know, it's like, When you take a child out after a rainstorm and you let the child play in the mud and then you take him in and wash the clothes and wash the baby in the bathtub, that's us making choices that aren't in our highest and best good. But God doesn't judge us. But once we're adults, we don't have any interest in playing in a mud puddle. It's just not attractive anymore.
1: When we are looking at the path of conscious creation and... When we are sitting down to make big plans to ask questions that matter, how do you guide people to allow their higher self to be part of that manifestation instead of doing it at least speaking for myself? I know I'm not on track when I am trying to manifest from scarcity or scrambling or fear or anxiety or deadlines. That's how I know I'm pretty it's not going to work because i'm in the wrong I'm in the wrong place. How can you guide people? in conscious creation through that connection to the higher self. Well, one
2: of the things I do, whenever anything happens that catches you by surprise, you know, catches you a little bit off guard, whether it's a, you know, a bill you forgot you owe or, you know, some scenario where your car broke down, you have money to have to spend. What I tell people to do is to say, well, that must mean the universe knows something I don't know because why would I get a bill for something I can't pay for? It must mean that more money's coming in and you've immediately turned any possibility of fear on its head because you've told the universe, "Okay, send me a bill. You just bring it on, and then by the way, you have to take care of the other half. Bring on the money to cover it." And it's so funny because what happens is the universe says, "Okay. Well, okay, we can handle that." And it's it's a way to allow yourself to have more than you thought possible. So, you know, at 5D, when you when you one of the things I tell people is, "Do your due diligence." Don't just be asking your higher self, you know, should I go on a vacation or not? Instead, look at the timing, look at where you might go, look at all those things and then ask your higher self. And the reason is because you need to have physical reality, you need to have your physical experiences and and you need to look at them and feel what you feel and then, then choose to use your higher self because then you are satisfied that you have at least explored your options and created from a place of your wisdom channel, because life is about experiences. It isn't just about following your higher self around. So I, you know, I, I from a, you know, how can this help you? The big answer is, you know, I ask my higher self everything, and but I also look at everything. You know, is it in our highest and good to do this marketing program? Is it in our highest and it's good to go do this workshop or this event? And There are times that I really want to do it, you know, I've looked at it, it looks financially viable, it looks like a good deal, and I check in, nope, don't do that, and in fact, I had an opportunity to spend more time in New York, because I'm teaching in New York in a couple of weeks, and my um, husband is going to London, and he wanted me to go, and my higher self said, no, you are not to go to London, so I'm passing on that trip, but that means I've got a couple of weeks I could easily spend in New York, and just hang out, and see all my people, and... I checked in with my higher self, and no, that's not what I'm to do this time. I am to go, you know, to the West Coast to see some other people and then go home. Mm. And I, I, you know, I I was kind of, you know, a little girl in me was kind of like, oh, man, I really wanted to do that. But I have chosen. One time, I chose not to follow my higher self or my wisdom channel, and and I regretted it. It was kind of a silly thing where I was asking about a movie, and my friends wanted to go to, and I wanted to be with friends, and that's what their plan was, it was, you know, I go with them or I don't see them. So I, I took the um, opportunity, even though my higher self said, no, don't do that, and the movie was a dog, and they didn't want to leave because they thought it would hurt my feelings, and I wanted to leave, because, but didn't, because I thought it would hurt their feelings. And I thought, what a waste. Mm. So, you know, it's
1: an easy, an easy uh, learn. Maureen, I know that the time has really caught us. Will you let people know just real quickly, we've got about 30 seconds here, what they can find on your website and how they can reach you. You're all over the place teaching all kinds of great stuff. Thank you. Um, Maureenstgermain.com
2: and you can buy materials on my website for healing. You can take a proactive path and you know, take some training. You can do some self-awareness work. I have a lot of meditations. I have essential oil blends. So there's lots of opportunities. There's telecourses. And, you know, I even teach the Akashic Records, and and I use all of these tools in the Akashic Records training, which makes for the the students, the, the, the graduates of that work, they're in a much better place than a lot of people because they have all these additional tools to supplement
1: their skill, and their accuracy. Wow. Maureen, thank you so much. We're nowhere near done, are we? And yet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, thank you. That is Maureen St. Germain. Her writing is featured in the new compilation, Realities of Creation, and her latest book, Waking Up in 5D, will be released next year. You can find out more about Maureen and her work at maureenst.germain.com. Find me at KarenHager.com. Tons of classes, tons of events. I'm traveling all over the place. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Check me out there, Karen at KarenHager.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.